Hi, welcome to a poem prose a day, where I'll read a piece of poem or a short prose which I love, and hopefully it'll spark a thought, a prompt, a conversation, or find something within it in these few verses as we stay afloat during the stay home period together. Notes after Terawe by Zix. I was feeling insecure about my scarf. It kept moving in a way that made my neck feel uncovered, so I turned to my right to ask for a brooch. The nenek beside me couldn't hear well and drew closer to hear better. Except not only that, she leaned in and put her arm around me. It was the kind of comfort only neneks can give. She also gave me her brooch to keep. I had never seen her before. She had a sense of urgency about her. Was it because she looked at her watch a few times? I don't remember. At some point, we spoke. She said she doesn't come here much. It depends on where she is before this. She left early. She seemed pretty busy. Her face had a Botoxed quality to it. I'm not kidding. She came wearing her scarf loosely over her head and changed into her telecone when she arrived. After some shuffling through the night, she ended up beside me. So we prayed side by side, going up and down together. At the end of the night, I heard her sobbing. One night, I saw what was probably the most vibrant and eye-catching telecong I had ever seen. A lot of telecongs are colored now, but this one was just exceptional. Not only was it lime green, it was printed all over. Printed in lime green. Beside the girl in green was a girl in white, holding a bottle of water. The girl in white turned to the girl in green and said, Don't worry, we share. When a lady was bending over to pick something up, the girl in white threw herself onto the lady's back. The lady got up, the girl slid off and went to hug the lady. You are the best mummy in the world. I was thinking. Somewhere in the room ahead of me was a guy wearing a white sonko, a checkered blue shirt, and a brown kind balikat. His first name was English, not the usual Arabic and he studied law. It was his first time here. When I went out, he was with my father and uncle and brother, and he was limping. He said his legs were cramping up. How do they do it there in Auckland? My uncle asked. Uh, I can't give you an answer to that. Oops, I guess he didn't used to go. At the end, people cluster up. There's a smoking cluster, a trying to finish my drink cluster, and a dota cluster. That's outside. Inside, people cluster around books. They are mostly dressed in white. My father was walking down the road to get to the car. The street lamps in the background made him more of a silhouette than a real person. Even in the shadows, he was quite a formidable figure in his juba. His strides were long, large, and his big tummy filled his juba enough for its shape to be seen. When he talks about men with big bellies, he likes to say, Perut jalan dulu. Their bellies are so big, the bellies walk first. Well, his spirit also jalan dulu. My father has never failed to return to this place since he first started coming. That's longer than I've been alive. And that means this place has seen him go from skinny and single to bulat and bapak bapak. Lady beside me was trying hard to concentrate. Eyes closed, legs folded, and then plop, a little girl dropped herself on the lady's lap and looked at me like I was doing something weird. I had never seen the girl before. In front of her, on the floor, was a square white towel. 
A small bear sat at one of the corners, and at the corner diagonally opposite the bear was the blue cap of a mineral water bottle. Turns out she was having a tea party. Very happening. I wasn't invited. If I had seen her and her tea party entourage before, I would surely have remembered her. I turned to my right and offered a brooch. The brooch. She was concerned that she will not be able to return it to me, but for me, I had done my part in this brooch story, and it was right that the brooch did not stay in my hands. She veiled most of her face. I saw her come in, and she settled to my left. She was the loud sort. Every word of hers, I could hear, and the frequency of her voice was not within the same range as the rest, but above it. Nyaring, you know? Her eyes had dark circles, and her pronunciation was near perfect. She mostly had a straight face on, I guess because she could concentrate, unlike me. Somewhere along the way, though, I couldn't hear her voice anymore. I turned and looked, just a little to my left, to find her hands open, palm to ceiling, quivering. Her eyes were wet, and she was in no way the composed person she was when she entered the room. Later on, she didn't have the prayer book, so we shared. It was nice to share. When we were done, I turned to her and she thanked me, and I found her beaming. For a lady who had a perma-straight face, who had given me such serious vibes and then suddenly bald, who was now beaming and glowing at me. What a sight. The Terrible Calamity What is the terrible calamity? sounded over the speakers. These came out slower than usual. Then, all of a sudden, his voice broke. That jolted me. He was breaking down. Astaghfirullah, he said under his breath. After that, he regained his composure, but I could still hear the heaviness in his voice. She was frail and extremely hunched. When she sat, her head would droop, hiding her face. If I could fold her head in towards her, I could ha carry her as a ball. That's how curved her back was. But her joints were completely fine. She could sit down and get up with no assistance. She had no trouble walking and she came alone. Although I think, I hope, someone sends her home. She was sitting with a small boy in her arms. She was wearing a scarf with tiny little flowers all over and had brown buttocks slung over her shoulder. The boy wasn't hers. She was his baby. He was learning to walk and she guided him. A little boy learning to walk in a quiet corridor with a flickering light. A lady who followed behind him, holding his hands. One night, two girls came. One had quite a tuft of hair showing from underneath her scarf, and the other didn't look comfortable in hers. One was older than the other. They looked like sisters. The older one wasn't much younger than me. They sat down and took out their telegongs to wear. One was blue and one was purple, and they looked like quality cotton. I had never seen such telegongs. We got them from our cousin, the elder sister said. I turned back around and continued doing whatever I was doing. Soon, I turned again to find that they were now in the corner, sitting cross-legged face to face. They were playing Pepsi-Cola while waiting for things to start. She slid herself out of the line. When she saw me looking at her, she shook her head and said, Nganto, sleepy. We began talking about how tiring her job was, how long her days were, and who she worked with. Soon, her friend who had come with her was also flopped on the floor, except that she didn't even have the energy to make conversation. 
She just covered her eyes with her arm and rested. Towards the end, I managed to peep over the cloth and see the top of the men's heads. There was a variety of head covers, plain white, embroidered white, black sonko, pat patent pastel, green, Javanese, and even a green turban with a cone thing at the center. Some sat tall on people's heads, some round skull cap types fit others perfectly, and some were just too small. Some people didn't cover their heads. She gripped my hand tightly for support as she took a step down. Everything about her screamed one word, heavy. When she spoke, I could only see her eyes, which were really quite attractive. She was tired. Five months only, but this is my seventh. Come, come, whoever you are, wanderer, worshipper, lover of leaving. It doesn't matter. Ours is not a caravan of despair. Come, even if you have broken your vows a thousand times. Come, yet again. Come, come. This is not a caravan of despair. Okay, I will come again.